we're live, yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to the Op Show, where we bring trials and tribulations, automations and collaborations from the world of DevOps and the developer experience. I'm your host, Tristan Pollock, with my co-host, CTO.ai co-founder and CEO, Kyle Campbell. And today we have one of our best episodes yet. Our guest is Ilya Baratsky, the CEO and co-founder of VanHack, one of Canada's leading HR tech startups with a huge Slack community. I mean, you're a big Slack fan of like 150,000. How many, how many people are in your Slack community now? Uh, well, not, not, hi everyone, and thanks for having me guys. Um, so 68,412, uh, we started the Slack community um, like a few, it's a whole mess how we started that like there was an email list and then a Slack community, now we have the app. Um, the, there's definitely not everyone on the Slack community that's in the app. So that's a, a whole challenge we can discuss, but uh, yeah, 68K um, and we try to keep it as active as possible with tech talent from around the world uh, looking for new opportunities. Tell us a little that's bit awesome. about VanHack in like the big picture. Yeah. There's something like 150,000 uh, people mm. have are part of the VanHack community, correct? Yeah, we just hit 137K um, that signed up to the, to the talent pool, to the community. Um, and it's all about connecting tech talent to international opportunities and helping employers uh, hire uh, software developers, DevOps engineers, tech professionals who are interested in, in, in new opportunities um, uh, and, 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 and kind of showing them this new talent pool that they otherwise wouldn't have considered um, and removing all the friction, uh, both on a remote as well as a relocation basis. So helping people actually cross borders and getting new, new visa statuses. So. Yeah, that's kind of the, the high level of what we do. And the cool thing is we've actually hired someone from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Danilo, yeah. Danilo, yeah. Danilo is one of our senior platform engineers. Actually, by the time this comes out, Danilo will have uh, just today uh, released one of our brand new features, which I guess I can talk about since we're not, this isn't live. Um, <laughs> We're, he actually helped us build out our whole Slack home tab experience, um, which is going live on Monday. And we just, we just submitted to the app store. Um, it was a great hire. We worked with them remotely from Brazil for a couple months um, while we got everything set up. And then, you know, with your guys' help, uh, having him relocate here to Vancouver and join the team uh, physically was, was great, uh, really great. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Danilo, Danilo is definitely one of one of the favorites. You know, one of the charismatic, most charismatic people at the company. I love working with him. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's been a great fit. So, thank you for that, Ilya. So, how did you get into this realm originally? Like, you know, what what is your 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 lead up to founding VanHack and like building this, being this amazing community builder? Like, you know, tell us a little bit about that uh, the come up story. Yeah, for sure. So, so first off, uh, that's great to hear about Danilo. Um, so, so always so so happy to hear what happens post hire, and, and hopefully, especially when it goes well. Um, so, with me, like I, I actually first memory of my life was immigrating uh, from Soviet Union to Israel, ninety uh, one, and then ninety three, I moved again um, when, when I was five to Vancouver. Um, grew up here, and then immigrated again to the U.S. in two thousand and. Uh, seven, spent three years there. 2010, moved to Brazil for four years. And 2014, came back here to Vancouver. Um, wow. So this is like very much, you're very familiar with this you know, migratory pattern that people take. Did you move for, you know, for work or? 
Yeah, well, the first time was just, you know, kind of looking for uh, fleeing communism, for lack of a better word, uh, or, or a way to put it, uh, looking for, you know, we were actually, we were actually gonna, the goal was to go to the U.S. Um, you know, back in 91, because that's, I think, where most, uh, you know, people from the Soviet Union were going to, um, and and then this, actually, Israel, the first, first move was even just like, it was like a, a supposed to be a move on the way to it wasn't like just like you couldn't go directly to the u.s or canada you had to go through another entity um and back then there was no like internet or youtube you had really no idea what's going on so i i mean i was pretty young so i just remember like getting on the plane because my parents told me to <laughs> but um you know the the, the 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 first time i kind of in my adult life moved was to go to university in the states and upstate new york uh, a city called ithaca and that was for, for school, like a, I was on a student visa. And then my first job out of, out of university was it was for work. I, I, got, I got an international job at a mining company in Brazil. So it, it was a combination of um, quality of life reasons, school, and as well as, as work. Um, so yeah. Um, and then in 2014, the move back to Canada was also kind of because of work because um, frankly, things didn't really work out the way I wanted to in Brazil. And I was looking to kind of restart my life and um, I moved back back to Vancouver and that's kind of how Van Hack started because when I was coming back to Canada, a lot of the developers in Brazil, people like Danilo, asked me for help with uh, you know job interview prep and just connection to employers. Um, so that, that's how kind of Van Hack started. Yeah, that's great. So and and so you brought a lot of these, you know, connections and communities that you had been through along your way, along your own travels now to Vancouver. Yeah, and it's not just about you know one specific city. I think right now we we've kind of been, like even the name is like it's a van that moves developers that moves hackers. It's not mm. like the city of Vancouver. Especially you were you were way the van life movement. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's been funny to see the last few. There's all these startup investors being like, yeah, we need to invest in these van startups. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> we're nothing yeah. to do with that, but uh, you know, yeah, mobility, right? Um, yep. That feels, like, that feels like a press there, like a, a marketing stunt opportunity. Like head to South by Southwest with a van full of yeah. hackers, have like yes. a hackathon on the way. Yes. Yeah, there was, there, was, <laughs> there was literally, I think on TechCrunch a couple of days ago, there was a, a venture back startup that's now is not just renting vans, but recreating trailer parks with like van, like, you know, like van parks uh, that mm -hmm. are kind of like, you know, hipster-esque. Okay. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, there was a company called Van Life. I wonder if it's the same one that I was, we were actually talking to their partners, which we also did. Um, and I, I emailed them, and my email was like, "You're hiring a developer. Your name starts with Van, so does ours. We should talk." And then so we did a call, and she was she was really nice, the founder. But uh, they, they ended up going with with uh, an agency, but it, it was a pretty cool conversation. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a theme of my of my startup journey is like all these things that I didn't mean to do, like I didn't really mean to create a community. Um, in the beginning, it just kind of naturally happened because we started with education. Um, then the, the now are kind of paying like some form of dividends where the van thing is more just like a joke, kind of like cool, it's, it's a fad. But for example, the community aspect, like, um, or even I didn't even mean to start a recruiting company. I started to start an online education company. Um, so there's a lot of these kind of moments in, in the community building process that were looking back, oh, that makes a lot of sense that we did it that way. But at the time, it wasn't like, the grand scheme to have 68,000 people in the Slack community. I just thought it, it you know, we were going to do a hackathon in Slack. So I just 
invited people to a Slack. That, that's really all it was. <laughs> I think I read somewhere, <laughs> sometime around Slack's S1 filing, that you guys are like the second or third biggest, or maybe the first biggest free community in this. You got to go find that stat because it was impressive. I mean, you, yeah, I actually tried. I couldn't find the article again. I'd love to find. I got to find that, that sometime story. and send it to you. I, I tried to. I, I can't remember, but it, there was an article about this somewhere. I remember. I remember. Uh, I remember it actually. Uh, so, I, I mean, there's a lot of people kind of doing this now. Um, I, I guess we were like the second largest at the time, but it's such like private data, right? Like, how do they? They. I mean, Slack knows this, right? But yeah, well, I think it was. I think it was included in the S one filing, and the article was just noting that where because they're you know in S one filing, you talk about different lines of business, and they sort of highlighted you know there are some free communities. Here's the biggest, right? But uh, but clearly, it's not been you know a business venture for Slack to um, you know to monetize these free communities. You know, in fact, I've asked them on a number of different occasions, like, are there plans that you can buy as a community? And they're like, no, it's you know, free tier, um, you know, have at it. I mean, similar with our our now growing Slack community, which is nowhere near the size of yours, but you know, it's still well supported by Slack. So I think it's I think it's a great thing that what they're doing is to offer the product in such a way where you could grow a community that large um, and they can get that much exposure to the benefits of Slack, you know, international for especially around these international use cases, right? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like I um, actually would love a Slack like pay the product, um, but I'm also very happy to like have this free version and have this amazing tool that um, I think is, you know, it kind of went from Facebook group to Slack group pretty, pretty well. Like they, I think they did a good job, um, better than WhatsApp and other kind of platforms like Slack right now, especially for people in tech is, um, if you can do it right, I think this is, it's really great. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that it's, especially the international part, like you have everyone in a Slack group, we're all kind of equal, right? Like it doesn't, it's, it labels the playing field um, where it's not like you have this advantage because you're in Silicon Valley or New York or Miami or Vancouver um, or whatever. So yeah, actually that was one of our first advice that I used to give people. Like if you're looking for a job in let's say Calgary or Victoria or Toronto, like join the Toronto dev Slack group mm. and talk to people and like share your thoughts. And so. I think there's a lot of uh, people in the van tech or tech van, one of those um, YYZ or YBR dev, like Slack group that I, uh, our van hackers that I was like, hey, just go there and look for a job. And, uh, I'm guessing some got hired. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really like, I, I tell people to digitally be in a city before you're physically there and then joining a Slack group with a bunch of people in your industry in that city is a uh, easy, very easy way to do that in an effective way, so. Why do, you, um, why do you think that's so yeah. important for devs, especially? I mean, I know that that you know we did a webinar with your community, where, you know, where we were really trying to speak to, um, you know, our perspective about software development. Why do you think that's so important to your community and for developers, especially? Well, I, I think it gives them like a, I don't know, safe is the right word, but like a comfortable place to to connect with people who are you know like minded. Um, even if even if you like look at it like an in person meetup. Um, there's so many people that you maybe aren't comfortable just going up and talking to, um, but you are much more comfortable just sending them a quick DM on Slack or like talking to them in a, in a Slack group about a specific subject or on a thread. Um, so kind of like Reddit, I think, uh, in, in, that, in that aspect. So I, I feel like it, it, specifically for devs, it really um, allows them to feel like they're in a comfortable environment or like familiar environment. 
because um, I think a lot of them use Slack for work as well. So there's kind of that, you know, we have all this, we have this in common. Like you don't see many, I don't know, it's a really bad example, but like knitting, knitting groups in, in a Slack. It's mm. mostly for tech-minded people, like founders, entrepreneurs, as, as mostly in the software developers a, a, a lot as well. Very interchangeable. Um, and I think now Slack's becoming like so global, right? It's it's like used all over the world, and it's such a like it's almost like you know it is replacing email. That's their goal, right? So it's like it's kind of like um, uh, like a, a very done a very good job to be an international platform that way. So it's it's easy for you to um, connect with people from around the world in, in, in Slack. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see that. I mean, it's definitely replacing email. I was, I was talking today and about how it's the first thing I look at in the morning, even before social media or email to figure out how yeah. I'm going to connect with the most important people that I, I interface with and, and work with and collaborate with. I think one of the things that is so obvious about it though, is like developers were doing this with IRC and open source for many, many years before that. And it's just such a natural place to be able to go and consume information, you know, without having to stand on the soapbox and, and put yourself in that awkward social situation and i remember when i was first getting into software development there was a huge amount of posture syndrome for me right and every new community i go into there was a new level a different kind of a nuanced imposter syndrome so being able to join on free note i remember you know like this community this community this community and just listen to what people are talking about whether it's node or it's javascript or it's you know technology specific communities just let me understand what the temperature of the room was and what other people were yeah. trying to learn about before I jumped in and said something foolish, um, not knowing what I didn't know, right? Yeah. Yeah, though, that's a really good point. Um, and I think like a lot of people in our Slack community are, you know, in that in that mode for mo most of the time, right? The uh, ratio of people who contribute and ask questions and kind of publicly speak versus those listening and watching is, is, is kind of probably one 100, one to 50. And it's great. And uh, I think that it, it's a great way for us to kind of share our message, share jobs, share success stories uh, with a group, large amount of people and that they can quickly just in a few clicks uh, get you know involved, like opt into that opportunity if they want or just learn more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's like you just hit, you hit it on the head with the IRC, like how it's been something, um, you know, people have been, Connect, like they're used to it. So, so it's, it's familiar and it's easy yeah. um, and that helps spread. Yeah, in the case where people are relocating across the world, right, what I've found is the hard skills are, like hard skills are universal. You know, the, the person understands the technologies. These are not typically the challenges that they're facing, right? What they're trying to figure out is, I'm moving to a whole different place with a different culture, different social dynamic, yeah. different emphasis, yeah. right? And so uh, that's what I like about how you guys are using Slack and where you're coaching them because they're absorbing all of those other skill sets that are going to help them be incredibly job effective as they come into that very different locality in their, in their career. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we actually made a success case video today of a developer from India. Um, she, she moved in February to Vancouver and was talking about how the hardest part for her wasn't the technical part. It was the cultural part, because mm -hmm. it's so different from Asia to North America. And how with VanHack, like I mentioned, we just started as a school and education and, and, and mentorship is a huge part of what we do. It's all about giving value first, whether that's with our free content or with the very modestly paid content. Um, we try to over deliver there. And then therefore we built this, um, you know, yeah, community that, that's engaged and active and, and excited to um, kind of give them powers that they didn't know they could achieve or maybe like they didn't know how to achieve. 
Um, and, and that that really is, has been, again, looking back, I think one of the main reasons we succeeded, like you don't really talk about Randstad or a Deco or Robert Half and say like, oh, that's a Robert Halfer who got hired or a Deco or, or you know, they, they don't have this like versus like, um, I don't know, um, what, 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 what uh, kind of, Airbnb or I guess not. Googler. Like, so someone who's like yeah, Go Googler is one of them. Googler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Googler. There you go. yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. There's this pride associated with being part of the group. It makes a, a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, you guys do so yeah. much to help the individuals. I mean, what what are some of the things that you share with companies? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, you and I talked a lot about this in preparation for hiring Danilo. What do I need to be thinking about? How do I get myself out of yeah. that typical local hiring frame and prepare for? you know, the commitment that somebody like Danilo was making to move across the country. Definitely. We, we try and make it as possible because I think a lot of times companies see it as this gargantuan, bureaucratic, impossible task of, oh my gosh, I'm going to hire someone from abroad, red, red flag, visa, uh, red flag, you know, potentially un subconscious bias about ethnicity or race or gender uh, or, you know, English accent level to a point, et cetera. Um, uh, payments, uh, you know, there's so many of these kind of, um, kind of even, you know, mental hurdles founders and companies have, I should say, we, we work actually a lot with HR, so definitely HR uh, as well have, have, and so we try and remove all the friction there by showing them, like we created a guide to the global counseling visa, to, which is, you know, just Canada speaking, it's like the H1B of Canada for our, our American friends. Um, uh, and it, you know, it, it works well and basically just need a job offer and you can move to Canada, which is what Danilo did. Um, we, 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 have like a four part guide, which in my opinion is other than the government of Canada website, it's like takes the government of Canada website and puts it into digestible chunks. It makes like little videos and shows exactly how to fill in forms. And, you know, we also do consultation called the manual stuff too, but like we, we, we do a lot on, on that side of things. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's been a large one. Also remote work. Like we've been, I guess, a I don't know, again, another thing that I didn't mean to, <laughs> to create back in the day that we've been remote work for five years, like remote team for five years. That's not on purpose. It's just because um, I frankly couldn't afford to hire a full-time staff member. So the person had worked part-time while I was the only full-time employee in the company. Um, so, you know, things like that, right? And, and, and now it's been five years and we're not perfect. It's definitely like, you know, all those remote companies that are famous are better than us at it. But um that's something that we now teach to our uh, employers because a lot of them now have to hire remotely for the first time. Um, or like in your case where you hired Nintendo for like three months remotely and then you did the use process. There's all these kind of little hacks for lack of a better word um, that we uh, like to um, share with you know, our customers as well as the world. Like I, I, I would love like, actually I love it when companies come to me and be like, I, I watched your videos, I like, listened, read some of your blog posts and then I was able to go through the visa process on my own with candidates that I found on my own or whatever. Um, and, and like, thank you so much for creating that. And, you know, government websites, <laughs> visa process websites and government forms for, for immigration are so, so poorly created and like, you know, no offense, uh, government, uh, but like they, they need to hire some UX and <laughs> designers. Uh, right. So, um, uh, it's been yeah, long overdue. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like all from the sixties, it's all PDFs and you can, you can't like, save it you have to fill it all in uh, don't get me started um so we, we try and take that burden off of, of companies but mostly it's like just changing mindset just being like you know what you're not limited to people in your postal code or in your area code you're not area limited to or zip code um you're not limited to people in your state or your province or even your country like 
especially with tech, like it's so universal, as you said, that there's great DevOps engineers who work with AWS, Azure, whatever, GCP, anywhere in the world. And typically, like if you look at Stack Overflow, like the top 100 people with the reputation score, like they're usually like, they're from like 70 countries. Like it's so diverse. It's not like this one country has a monopoly on software talent. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of preaching that gospel has really been the biggest thing that I feel like we need to do because we still run into companies that are like, oh my God, visas are, are hard. Or, um, you know, frankly, I've had companies tell me, hey, I don't want to hire people from a specific country because I don't think that they're as good as others. And it's kind of like, that's kind of racist, you know? So we try and we try and lightly and sometimes more, you know, lately say, you know, what well, you should just think about um, like opening up your, your scope to the widest possible lens because then you'll have the highest possible chance to find the perfect fit. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And then the ones who do that are going to win. Um, companies like uh, FAIR, uh, which is a you know, huge, uh, fastest growing unicorn apply board, uh, two, two huge unicorns from uh, Waterloo, raised hundreds of millions, like over $100 million each from, from US investors in, in Kitchener Waterloo. They both hired from us and they, they have this global mindset. Companies like that, they get it and they move fast. Whereas you see other companies that are um, maybe a little bit slower, of course, won't name any, um, and still be like, oh, I, I, I want to hire someone who's just like me, who's a cultural fit, who can, you know, um, you know, you're competing with the fame companies, right? Like, come on, man. Like, sometimes I feel like shaking people. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, anyway, that, that, that's kind of what we do for the company side. And it's something that I, I think is, is going to grow and evolve over time as we, um, you know, especially now, uh, shift more and more to remote, more and more to, um, employ anywhere, work anywhere. We just announced a partnership with a uh, company called Deal, which is a, a Arthur's and Horowitz startup that does global payments and uh, compliance for contractors. So it's stuff like that. We're really trying to build in the arsenal of like, you know, you kind of come to that hack and you can quickly uh, employ the right person and, and figure out, don't worry about all the other bureaucratic stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting, interesting time right now as well as like, I think you've been almost seeing Canada poach talent and tech talent from the United States. And I think that that was probably something not as easy to do, I don't know, in the, in the previous years. Have you been seeing a, a higher influx of people choosing Canada over the U.S. Uh, with some of the visa changes in the U.S.? Or uh, Kind of. Um, not, not as much. I think the media is making it too big of a deal of it, honestly. Um, mm. Not like the Canadian visa immigration process is perfect. And right now, it's frankly it's stalled. A lot of people don't, don't really know that. Like, they haven't approved a work permit in like four months because of COVID. Really? So, oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't feel like it's so much Canada is like way better than the U.S. in, in this sense. Um, I feel like U.S. has this huge advantage, which is the American dollar and salaries just being twice, basically. Um, uh, you know, when you look at things like quality of life, cost of living, of course, you know, you have the health insurance, et cetera. It's always a calculation, but there's plenty of, you know, U.S. companies hiring remotely. Um, you know, there's even startups that, that their the whole job is to help um, uh, U.S. companies hire people in Canada and pay them slightly lower than U.S. wages, but much higher than Canadian wages and basically like poach Canadians, but, you know, to, to U.S. companies, even, even digitally, uh, remotely. Mm -hmm. And I think like there's a lot of people on H-1Bs right now who are happy to stay where they are. People who didn't get their H-1B approved because of suspension a few weeks ago, they're just going to keep working remotely for their, their employer. Um, and maybe a small amount of them is are, are thinking about Canada. But hey, who knows? Maybe if we're sitting in six months from now, and um, you know, COVID is at you know 
how many like it's just keeps going the way it is going in the US and Canada's relatively low, then maybe a lot of people start seriously considering coming up here. Um, and maybe in, in, as, as kind of a uh, health for health reasons. But right now, um, financially speaking, if you're an engineer in even Austin or, or, or Miami, you know, kind of secondary American markets, you're making way more than your counterparts in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a Canadian engineer, you can just work remotely for a U.S. company and keep living in Canada. Um, so I, I'm not really seeing that much uh, that, like mm. people running to Canada right now. With with the stall and sort or of from like the US, more from, yeah, the from the US, US. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mean a lot of the hiring that you're doing is more international. I know you do a lot in Brazil. Where else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a huge uh, like uh, like world out there. So all all those kind of usual suspects: um, India, Pakistan, Russia, Ukraine. Um, uh, we've seen a lot in like Nigeria and Ghana, like Africa is huge. Um, Colombia, Argentina, um, Venezuela. Um, but we, you know, we've helped people from Belgium move to Canada, people from, um, Malawi move to also Canada, people move to Malta from, from like Nigeria. Like it's a very, um, kind of mix and match. And I, I think that we're trying to become more diverse and not just kind of focus on one quarter. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's all these kind of countries or cities or even countries out there. So Malta is actually a good example where, or even the Netherlands actually is a better example where they're, they're really investing a lot of money and time as to attracting skilled immigrants and creating better visa programs, frankly, than we have in Canada um, that give like tax incentives to soft, skilled workers or software engineers to move and work in the Netherlands. Um, 30%, you pay 30% less tax for the first eight years that you live there, for example, there. And um, they're like, have the city of Amsterdam has this event called Project A. They, they go out and like try and recruit and Finland has this and, I think a lot of Northern European countries are, are, are starting to, to work on these, this model um, where, you know, you're starting to see talent um, considering these places because it's a great location to live, um, get good, good healthcare, education, tax incentives, um, and it's going to be, or already is, a global um, kind of war by, by, by governments uh, to, maybe war is a bad word, <laughs> uh, 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 competition yeah. uh, to attract the, the best tech talent um, as possible. Um, and not have them work remotely and basically outsource the job, uh, but have that dollar and also the spending power stay in their local communities. Um, but yeah, and then yeah. COVID hit, and now it's, everything went rem- you know remote. And yeah. so, what I mean, what do you see with your community with this you know this this push to now I can work anywhere and yeah. how does that how does that you know look for opportunities and how much do you think is going to reset once once things cool down you know next year at some point. I'm seeing an increased demand and want to relocate. Um, I, I'm seeing people because even though they can work remotely in their home country, but because of COVID and the like, look at India and Brazil, for example, um, to to the top, I think ten or Brazil second for sure. I'm not sure India where, where they're at, but you know, high high uh, high case count in mm-hmm. both countries and high growth rate. Those people there want to leave even more, um, and. Now what we're seeing is companies start people working remotely, getting to know them, kind of frankly following your model, the model you guys did, mm. um, and then having that person relocate and keep working remotely, which is I think what Daniel is still doing right now, right? So he's yeah. in Vancouver, um, and he's still working. He's working remotely. So I think the relocate, sorry, remote, relocate, remote model. Um, I don't have a good word for it because it's like three words or one word twice, right? Um, mm. Yeah, uh, that type of hiring is now 
um, I feel going to be like a huge weapon that startups can use to say, hey, like, you know, you might be a Salesforce engineer in India and working like really like strong, strong employer, strong company. But, you know, we're going to offer you this opportunity to come to uh, the Netherlands, Germany, um, you know, Portugal, Canada. And, and that might be the tipping point or the, the kind of selling point that gets the candidate to say, you know what? I'm going to leave this large company that I'm secure and maybe take maybe a risk, if that's the right word, because honestly, it's not that big of a risk. You can always go back to a large company um, and, and work for this startup. And so if you're a startup, it'll, it, I think it's a really exciting time for you because you can hire, you know, much, if, you, if you're open to this kind of way of working, you can hire much better talent at a better, at a better rate, move faster, et cetera. Do you, do you think that you know this becomes a much more dynamic opportunity? I mean, obviously you said some of the stall, some of the hiring or immigration is stalled out here in Canada. You're clearly evaluating these other opportunities about what it looks like on the global landscape. But do you think the next scenario is more dynamic and how companies cater to these hires from the perspective of, hey, well, I know that there's this talent pool, these ten people from around the world who are all interested in. Co- in perhaps relocating there and we don't even have an office. So perhaps we can set up a virtual environment, a virtual office for them to relocate there. They're not necessarily working out of the same office, but at least they still can benefit from FaceTime, social interaction, drive that cohesion that makes a team um, strong yeah. to get, like, do you see it keep decoupling to that point where companies will even start hiring cross border in places where they don't necessarily have a physical uh, presence? Yeah, I mean, that's what um, this partner company of ours, Deal, does. There's, there's a few other companies doing similar things, uh, this kind of employer record type market that's, that's starting to grow right now. Because exactly this, these companies, they essentially don't really care where the person is. And if they can facilitate, the problem is the immigration piece is like you have to choose a country that's open to you bringing in talent where you don't necessarily have an office. But I think what if usually the way these markets work or these models work is a government will allow you to bring in foreigners if you also hire locals. So um, if you can kind of, com- kind of combine, if you want to set up an Amsterdam or a Dutch office for CTO, that AI, you guys can just hire a few Dutch or citizens uh, for customer service or sales or whatever, and then bring in developers uh, to live in the Netherlands as well. In this case, um, so I think it, as, I think as long as companies are willing to do that, then then great. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be super decoupled. Like opportunity and uh, location or geography are just no longer connected uh, at all, uh, at least for you know many companies um, like with a Shopify, right? Yeah. Twitter, I think as well, etc. Um, so, like, yeah, it's it's going to be something that just keeps going, going further, further out. Like, I I I think borders shouldn't matter in terms of like hiring and recruiting, but I think countries can start really. Um, using this as a place like for example estonia um, they created the digital nomad visa where they basically are using this visa to attract people to like mm. open a bank account and have Estonian id numbers and pay taxes in estonia but those people can live anywhere in the eu for a year um so it's like this really cool kind of not even a visa to estonia you get a visa to a whole continent um pretty much so yeah the, 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 this i think also they have the digital citizenship oh uh System. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, digital nomad piece. Exactly this. Um, and they have the e-resident program. I, I quite frankly think Canada should have an e-resident program. I think multiple countries should have e-resident program, and then 
you know, we can all have e-residences. I'm, I'm an Estonian e-resident, for example, it costs a hundred bucks and stuff like that. But it was, it was pretty easy to fill out. It doesn't really do anything, <laughs> but um, it, it, allow, it, would, it could have allowed me to open up a company in Estonia. And, and for example, if I could be a digital resident of, of Malta, of Singapore, of the United States, and of Canada, then all of a sudden I have like 10 um, nationalities that I can choose from and use to, you know, as I see fit. And I think that's super powerful. And um, I think, yeah, that, that, that's a trend that I, I think maybe three to five years will, will be there, but it's just starting now. Wow. And how does that, how does that work out? Like, uh, let's say, you know, what's the benefit for the, the home country by opening up their, you know, tax, residency or tax revenue. Yeah. yeah or even just having someone live there, right? Like every skilled worker that moves to a new country or even like it creates, I think six or five jobs for uh, other people. This according to Enrico Moretti is like an economist from Cal University of Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley. Um, he talks about how, uh, like people, oh, it's kind of, you don't even need, like, it's very simple. Like if, if I'm living in, let's say Berlin today, I'm going to be buying food at the grocery store in Berlin. I'm going to be going to the movie theater in Berlin. My rent will be paid in Berlin and my car will be bought in Berlin and my kids will go to school in Berlin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And think about all the money. Let's say I'm going to make hundred K euros. That's, you know, a large salary, but like, let's say I'm making that money is that there's a software engineer. I'm going to spend 30% of that on taxes. So German government, local government. Ching. And then I'm going to spend, let's say, you know, the other uh, 70%, half of that or two thirds of that on living expenses. Yeah. And that's going to create jobs for, for waiters and, you know, hairdressers and all people, clothing, whatever. So um, that, that I think is, um, you know, maybe what happens is you don't even have to live in that city. And then because you're getting these benefits of being a citizen of that country, you're going to have to pay a little bit of your tax dollars to that government. Um, and, and then, it's kind of like the Luxembourg model where you have such a small like cost base because it's such a small country of only 500,000 people. So their healthcare and road and education costs are so low, but they attract so many and they attract companies by offering a low tax rate. So yeah. you can become more competitive. Ireland, the same thing. Singapore. You can become more competitive yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is in great contrast to how the U S operates where, where the U S has a, a sort of like a worldwide, world, worldwide taxable income policy. Um, so no matter where you live, even if, if you if you still have a citizenship, you're still paying some degree yeah. of tax back yeah, because they, what, uh, they have such a high co cost center of, 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 you know, but I mean, governments are over business. That's kind of what it comes down to, uh, you, you know, they're, they got to generate a profit for their constituents, just like any company has to, I mean, governments yeah. are essentially corporations for all intents and purposes, just with different founding documents, right? Yeah, you'll you'll uh, exactly right. You uh, you know you know if you if you don't do it that way, you'll end up like the Soviet Union. <laughs> right. Um, so I think I think they defaulted on some debt and kind of aren't, aren't around anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, one thing about the U.S. That, that what you said about it, that's actually I think I think that Facebook co-founder Eduardo Saverin he he denounces U.S. like very right. publicly denounces citizenship because of this because uh, he didn't want to pay taxes on on, on his earnings in Singapore because actually I think Brazilian right. Yep. So he became a U.S. citizen because, because of like living there for a while and in school there. Um, so yeah, I think it's a fascinating topic, and um, yeah, I think it's something that hopefully will be more and more important because people start realizing the power of it, right? Like right now, uh, I had a call yesterday with a guy who's a dual Canadian, and you know he could easily come to Canada uh, from he's an SF, so he can he can come to Canada. So the value of his Canadian citizenship is like. So much higher maybe this time now than it was last year because in the COVID cases are so much lower in Canada, yeah. and it's not just COVID, but like other things like that, right? Whether that's favorable tax policies like shred and, uh, and things like that, 
or um, not being taxed <laughs> anywhere you live, um, et cetera. Universal basic income experiments that are running now. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, I, I mean, that wouldn't make me personally want to move to a specific city. But, um, you know, I think there are a lot of people that would, would want to move to, um, for example, if a state uh, in the U.S., like if uh, Alabama all of a sudden had a UBI, uh, I think a lot of people would move to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's great about this is like there's this huge shift towards optionality, and anytime there's options, you know, you create opportunity. I think that's yeah. kind of like the root of the word. <laughs> that's what it means. So, you know, as as horrible as it is, what's going on in the world, it is creating. You know, I always say that creativity comes from constraint. With these situations happening, all of these new opportunities start emerging, and people suddenly have these incredible options. I just hope it gets back to a place where you know it's much easier to take take advantage of them right uh whether it's yeah. going to the netherlands or it's you know coming from brazil to canada we got to get you know hopefully the world opens back up for business in that regard and all of these things now um you know continue to be the norm the mainstream right exactly i think that that's kind of the next logical step is things are slowly opening up uh we've had i think five or six people relocate just had a guy from pakistan move to ireland cool. uh, a couple weeks ago um, it is, you know, there are still relocations happening. Um, but once kind of things settle down or, or, or whatever, um, adjust, then, um, you're absolutely right. Like, I think there'll be more immigration than there ever was before. Um, and I think the more people would move into like smaller cities or like suburbs or being more spread out. Um, and a plenty of country like Canada is really greatly uh, positioned for that because we have, we have so much space. Yeah. Um, and and um, yeah, I, I hope, um, for example, the U.S. Uh, creates a similar program to Global Talent Stream and reforms H-1B uh, after, you know, uh, sometime next year. Um, no matter who gets elected, I think that, that that'll be a positive for, um, for the American taxpayer. Yeah, it's a good economic decision on either side, regardless of which way you look at it. I mean, it's a way to generate, you know, significant wealth, you know, and perpetuate America's strength in technology. And it's just also a very, you know, um, good cultural thing. It's inclusive. And, you know, I don't, I could not, not see any arguments again against it personally. Well, I know you got to run Ilya. So it was, it was a pleasure. One last question, you know, what's your favorite Slack app? <laughs> the, the van hack app coming soon um well oh. for now I'll, I'll i'll say you know um probably the, the my favorite one is i think zoom is a really boring answer but i really like zoom as an app just on slack to be able to quickly like jump on a call with someone have that conversation i think like five years ago it was so hard to, like there was the oh, oh can you hear me now can you hear me now like skype and other products weren't so good but zoom really changed things um i think it's so easy uh, to, to start. Um, we do our weekly all hands meetings on them. And I just am happy every time I, I do backslash Z and, and, and launch a Zoom um, call. I mean, it's kind of a boring one, but uh, I, I really like it. Uh, we're we're, we're, we're going to experiment uh, the CTO.ai Slack app. We're excited to, to, to try that one out, kind of give it a spin. Uh, and then, yeah, we're launching uh, the VanHack Slack app uh, probably in the next month or so, uh, maybe a month and a half where you'll be able to hire developers right within Slack um, in a few clicks. So yeah, that's uh, hopefully in a few months will be my favorite. <laughs> I can't wait for yeah, that man. one. Direct access to 150,000 amazing developers from all around the world right at Slack as easy as starting a Zoom invite. Sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah backslash the 
<laughs> like it. Love it. That's amazing. Well, where can we find you, uh, you know, Van? Yeah, vanhack.com. <laughs> yeah. The virtual background here. It's easy. Um, I'm the only person in, uh, in the world with my name. So I don't know if you can see my name. I-L-Y-A-B-R-O-T-Z-K-Y. Uh, my family actually changed our last name to TZ instead of DS. So uh, it's very, very unique. Um, yeah, so it's easy to find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, e email is just my first name at vanhack.com. Uh, Twitter, uh, at Ilya Brodsky, um, at Vanhack. So at Go Vanhack, actually. Yeah. Amazing. Sounds like it's going to be easy to find you. Thank you for coming on, Ilya. Appreciate it. Yeah, and, thanks, Justin. Uh, thanks, Kyle. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's it for the op show. Another one in the bag. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Slack out. Yeah. 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 yeah.